Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us, guys, at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Sharon Raymond. I'm Sid Williams. And I'm Cheryl McGee-Hills. I love all of these guest hosts. We have an important topic that we're talking about here on the Gifted Life today. We're talking about LOPA and all the changes we've made towards being more equitable, diverse, and inclusive. You'll hear all about that right here on The Gifted Life. Hang with us. Here on The Gifted Life podcast, we are talking about LOPA and changes we've made toward equity, diversity, and inclusion. To have that conversation, you heard in the intro, we have some firecrackers in the studio. We have Sharon, we have Cheryl, we have Sid, uh, some LOPA veterans, uh, some great humans, and um, I'm honored to call you ladies friends. Together, you girls make up about 45 years of experience, wisdom, just about life, and about donation. Tell us a little bit about that, Sharon. <laughs> well, you know, when we first started, it started out with a grant to uh, educate five parishes in the greater New Orleans area and yeah. the outlying areas on uh, minorities and educating them about their health and also encouraging them to become organ, eye, and tissue donors. And with that comes, uh, it was a great hill to climb, and it still is in some instances, but we have been able to break down some walls and some barriers and we are lucky to have a lot of people on board today. And with our EDI committee, we want to be more inclusive internally to reflect our community that we serve as well. A lot of hard work, have done some great accomplishments and more to come, which is was just pretty neat. Uh, one of, of the things that we were talking about is myths and misconceptions when it ties to donation, things we all hear out in the community. And how do you overcome that? Um, what do you do? So that's something that you guys tackled, right? We tackle it every day out in the community. You know, 20 years, and we're still being asked, well, if I sign up to become an organ donor, um, they, they're going to kill me. They're not going to save my life. Or can I have an open casket? A lot of people still feel that, well, when I die, I'm going to take it all with me. Uh, so it's our job to explain to everyone, no matter what community we're in, the process, the importance of not only signing up, but to talk to your family about it, because it's one person that the information is given to. But if your family or your next of kin doesn't know about organ and tissue donation, we're at a loss. So it's a everyday battle. I will say battle, because just when you think you've reached one milestone, there's another. And um, health and wellness also, we need to share with them why is it so important to take care of your health. Know what your family's gone through. Know what your medical history is all about because that will determine what to do next. And um, we're finding more and more people that have diseases such as high blood pressure and diabetes. And those diseases will place you on not only waiting list, but we have more and more people on dialysis. So I find that the best way to tackle this, let's talk about health. 
then from talking about health, when you have someone saying to me, I want to take it with me, it's a spiritual connection there. And that's why it's so important, yes, to get out in the community at uh, some of the health fairs and at different events, but also the connection with the church to make sure the leadership in the church understands the challenges that we have and also recognize in their church, in their community, those individuals on dialysis, those individuals suffering from kidney disease, heart disease. And it's important to talk about that every day to connect with organ, tissue, and eye donation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, Cheryl, you mentioned that the different ways that one's faith or spiritual connections may influence their perspective on donation. But I know when I first started at LOPA, one of the things that I found most interesting was the different ways that people's cultural backgrounds and lived experiences influenced their perspectives on donation, which to me, fast forward a few years later, and now that we are being a lot more um, intentional with our EDI efforts, you know, to see it come full circle has really been impactful and powerful. And I think it's even all the more important, you know, that we take the time to educate our staff internally about different cultures, about different things that may influence a family's decision to donate or not to donate. And I think it's a piece of the conversation that's often left out when we are looking at the st statistics or numbers or demographics. We, we see the numbers for what they are, but we don't often dig deeper into the why. And, you know, to, to see that African-Americans make up over 60 percent of the wait list for, for kidneys or, you know, why? Why is that? And that is because of the health disparities that are known to plague our communities more than others. Or if you look at, you know, those registered or African-Americans are least likely to register. Well, why is that? And often it's because of the medical mistrust that go all the way back to, exactly. you know, Tuskegee. No, exactly is right. They go all the way back to Tuskegee. And there are all these things that, you know, we see played out today that have historical um context and references that we don't often think about or that people leave out of the conversation when they're talking about different people and cultures perspectives on donation. I love watching all of you work because when you go out, like you talked about stats and we, I mean, we can throw out stats all day, um, but watching you guys, you connect with these people and that's something that's a special gift, right? Because we talk about health. We talk about, tell me about your, your family background. Let's talk about this. Let's have those hard conversations that probably you don't have with any body else. else, which was pretty neat. Uh, one of the things that we focused on here on The Gifted Life is we had a representative from the Sloan Group that we've been working with here at LOPA. Mm -hmm. So tell them uh, or tell our, our listeners about the Sloan Group, uh, how we've been working with them. How do you think that's played into all these things that we are talking about here today? The Sloan Group has been great. Ronnie Sloan, uh, he, his daughter, Diane Jackson, we've, we've also worked with Jessica. They are um, a third party that came in to train and develop help LOPA develop our EDI. Um, one of the things that when we talk about the health disparities, when Sid broke it down, the bottom line, it comes to trust. And that's not just in the community talking about health. That's pretty much across the board. It is a cultural thing. And the reason we're able to connect, a lot of people will look in the audience and will look for a face that looks familiar. And just to give you an example, if you've ever ridden a school bus and when the buses pass by each other, you notice the bus drivers wave at the other bus driver. There's a connection there. Or you see guys on a motorcycle 
they always kind of give leeway to other guys on, on they know they give you know you don't recognize the it have a way until certain, exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you, the people that have jeeps you know they connect with each other and it's the same thing as if you see if i tell you to look for a yellow car that's all you're going to see today is a yellow car but if you never see one then you don't even doesn't even come to your mind but when you see someone that looks like you make it to a certain level it becomes it, it manifests destiny is what it is you actually see somebody that looks like you that has made it or you see a heart recipient that looks like you and you realize that I am not determined to live on dialysis for the rest of my life because it can't happen. This person has a transplant. I can get that way too. I can can survive too. Great points. Um, I think one of the things that just screamed out to me that you said is that representation matters. Seeing someone that looks like you occupy spaces that you're in. And so two things come to mind. A, I don't think that we've quite mentioned a really important milestone that just took place here at Lopa is that you are in a new role and in a new position. Woo! I was wondering how this going to come out. <laughs> we've yes. been going EDI, yes. EDI, EDI. And we have it now. <laughs> we Great have been news. screaming EDI, but I think uh, we can't go any further without noting that you are Lopa's new EDI officer. So Thank can you tell you. us a little bit about that for a minute? Well, I kind of feel like I was already doing it. Right. That's what I said. So natural. Yeah. Thank you guys so much because we have a committee that started with strategic planning a couple of years ago and it really kind of morphed into being so much that we felt that we had so much to do and so much work that needed to be done that I couldn't keep straddling the fence. I'm never going to get away from community education. <laughs> no, so you're not. That's the sound. You're not be able to get rid of no me. Way you <laughs> want you get away. That is you're my so heart, great. and that's what I love to do. But I do recognize we do have some more work to do. So with this particular um, position, I'll be able to work closer with the departments within LOPA and to make sure that every department has some type of representation for the community that we serve and has training on how to deal with the different cultures that we have to um, communicate with. I can listen to you all day. Keep going. Keep going. going. That's so exciting. It's needed. It's needed for our community. And, you know, still speaking on representation, I know there's been another change that's occurred here at LOPA with us trying to intentionally diversify um, our philanthropic board and our governing board. And so with that in mind, we um, approached a, a really active, long-term, long-standing volunteer of ours to be a part of our governing board and with the thought of that we want to make sure that our governing board represents the, the communities that we serve. And if our board doesn't look as diverse as the communities that we serve, then we're doing our communities a disservice. And so Keenan Shields, a heart recipient and volunteer of ours, is now a member of our governing board and we are so Yay. excited and proud to see it. Yes, And, and he said yes, so <laughs> We're grateful that. for that. Grateful for Keenan. I'm so happy, Keenan. Hey, Keenan. Good morning. Good morning, Lori and everybody. Good morning. morning. So, Keenan is a very active volunteer, heart recipient. He's now part of the LOPA governing board and he's part of Team Louisiana and he just brings it, right, ladies? Like that yes. spirit, yes. positive attitude, just an all around great human. Tell us a little bit about your tie to donation, Keenan. Thank you, first of all, for having me. And I, I thank God for all of the uh, opportunities that I've had and that I'm having, like this moment now. So um, my background with becoming a, a recipient of a heart started in 2006, right after Katrina. I uh, began to have uh, heart attacks, a lot of things going on, work, 
pressure, stress, and I've always always had a stressful job. Always thought I was the picture of health prior to this. I played basketball twice a week, full court for hours. Uh, so over the period of time, I had four heart attacks between 06 and December the 23rd of 14, in which I was admitted to the hospital. And I was would not be able to leave there until I received a heart transplant. And 40, 33 days later, actually, I did receive that heart transplant, which uh, gave me this second chance uh, at life, which I'm planning to live to the fullest. And uh, I am happy to be a part of this organization that uh, is at the forefront here in Louisiana for organ uh, donation and transplantation. Uh, I became fully involved in this. Cheryl recruited me for the essence, and I was fresh out from my uh, transplant that July, which I had gotten in January, six months. And I was I became so passionate about telling people my story and what happened and how important it is to become an organ donor. Some people are fortunate enough to receive in, uh, the information and know their donor's family. Uh, I haven't received that information, uh, but I'm, I'm prayerful for that to happen, if not, I understand. So I just love being a person to give. And I started that actually with my job as as law enforcement almost 40 years now. I became a police and I worked at the sheriff's department first, but everything was, was centered around me giving back from where I come from, which was, uh, you know, a low uh, income family, one mother household. I grew up in the uh, desire housing projects and um, I wanted to make sure that my people had an opportunity at uh, proper policing, because that's what, what I uh, became. And I wanted to make sure anything that I was tied to or able to do to help uh, my people that I wanted to do. And I've been given that opportunity, and it continues with, uh, especially with being elected to the governing board for uh, LOPA. And I'm very excited about it. And I mean, I can't wait to uh, to do more work. So I'm, I'm thankful uh, to everyone and this opportunity. Thank you so much, Keenan. This is Sharon Raymond, um, and I had the uh, awesome opportunity to work with you and your wife uh, during Essence. And I just wanted to say that, uh, you, you know, we really appreciate everything that you do in giving back, um, not only being um, a heart recipient, but also uh, an NOPD uh, officer, because we know you're not just representing a black man, but you're also blue. And you know about the disparities in our economics and how the city and the society as a whole has been going on these past few years has been very difficult. And that's pretty much what kickstarted our EDI committee was with the murder of George Floyd. And it's great to see that we now have representation on our board, and we also are committed to serving our communities as well as internally here at LOPA by our EDI committee. And I just want to give a shout out to our committee members and uh, 
we have been working very hard to bring about change within our organization as well as in our state. And it includes myself, our chief administrative officer, Chrissy Hagan, Sid and Cheryl that are here with us today, as well as Chandra Williams, Siobhan Trahan, and Chloe Washington. And just if you can just give us a highlight, when you're working with us at Essence, I know we are approached, we talk to people about being donors all the time. And we still get that pushback or negativity. Some people still are um, having problems. They still believe in the myths and misconceptions. And what would you say to those people? I I say to those people what I've been saying to them uh, for a very long time. They they have to get, you have to educate them on what's going on. But the thing is, and I don't know if y'all even have enough time for me with this podcast. Love to hear the you thing talk. Is when, it, when it comes to EDI, it, it's it's in every aspect of life for minorities. Okay, so first of all, they have to have trust in non-minorities. They have to have trust, and they don't see that based upon the history of all the things that took place. You know, even the things with with George Floyd, I, and I can relate to that because I've been stopped by the police. I've been I've been wrongly accused, taken to jail. Thinking that because I, my eyes glassy, I was I was arrested for speeding because I just woke up. But that was that was just because back in the days. I mean, I'm 18 years old. I'll be 60 this year, so so that affected me. So I know how the police were. Some of them, not all of them, not all people. But this uh, EDI thing should have been something a long time ago. But I'm happy that it is here now. And explaining the uh, myths or or dispelling those myths to uh, minorities, it's not going to be easy. Trust me, it's not going to be easy. But they have to to gain trust in us. And they have to have people that look like us telling them. And in order for them to believe it, and you're not going to get everybody. And I can tell you this is going to be, this is not going to be an easy job, but it's doable. Keenan and Cheryl, I want to. Hey, hey, Papa. Let me tell you this, Keenan. <laughs> you know we speak today about Essence Fest, but do you remember we met months before that because there was a fundraiser and also oh. we had a program at your church. That's and, right. I'm, I'm, and guess I'm what? Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Essence is such a huge event for us um, with the help of our volunteers. But I just wanted to remind you, I met you prior to that, and I was just so impressed by your church and how they embrace you. And then at the fundraiser with NOPD, those officers, you could see the camaraderie uh, amongst you guys. So meeting you then, I realized your support system and your family, I I just fell in love with you guys. And now that you're a full-time volunteer and on the board, I just want to say thank you. Because one thing I know about volunteers and recipients, you guys are always willing to give back. That's your heart. And of course, you have a special heart. We know that. The best one. I just want to say thank you so much for being part of our team and congratulations um, on being part of our executive board. Thank you. I greatly appreciate it. And I I do look forward to doing my best. And I I, I don't want to, I didn't want to leave my uh, 
my church out. Uh, of course, that that's a lot. That plays an important part. Yes, it does. Well. Yes, and 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 those those churches have to be committed as well. It's not it's not a self thing. It's a it's a us thing. It's a we thing. It's a people thing. And that's why you, I will always have you on board with me out in the community. You can sit on the big board, but you're going to be out <laughs> in the community board. We like when you travel to all the areas, Keenan, all the areas. But I do want to say, uh, whenever he's out, no matter what it is, um, I got a chance to watch him at transplant games. Um, but he is a team leader. Like, he is positive. He gets people working in the same direction. All the time. Like, so awesome. A little too competitive on the basketball court, Keenan. <laughs> Never. Uh, for, <laughs> but we always went like a great representative uh, for Louisiana and for Lopa. And um, what does he say? Does he have like a little say? Yeah. Yes, ladies, right? Yes, it's what is be it? Greater later. I love it, <laughs> Keenan. You always inspire. You always lift us up, and I always leave you with a smile. Can't thank you enough. And you know, my uh, my greatest supporter, and I am. I've been blessed for many years to have uh, my wife, Beverly. Oh, and, and uh, my wife is the backbone of all of this. Me, so. I could not do this without her. I just thank God for my wife and my family and all of my friends. And I don't, I don't, I can't think of nobody that don't like or care for me, you know, because I love everybody. You do. And it's always greater later. Always. always. A real always. man. Got to thank the wife. I love it. I love yes. it, Keenan. We're going to make sure she hears that. Thanks for your time. Thanks thank for you. saying yes to being on our governing board. And thanks for saying yes when we ask you to volunteer. Thank, thank you, you, Beverly. <laughs> Thank you. You know, we're so grateful to have Keenan on board, not only as a board member, but someone going into that position that understands our community. You know, being a police officer, he's covered the majority parts of the the parishes and also being a recipient. And I feel as an African-American male stepping up saying, you know, I have this problem. I need a transplant and seeing the support from his family and his co-workers and the community just added to what we're trying to get out to our community and the public is that, you know, seek medical advice, take care of yourself. And when that time come, let's talk about it. Let's give them something to talk about. Let's dispel all those myths and misconceptions about organ donation and transplantation. It's so important to remove the fear. And that's why I focus so much on the church because when in need, everyone needs a prayer. In the hospital, you want to see your pastor. In the community, you want to hang on to those leaders and have the support of your community and your family. So it's just so important that we continue to reach out to the public, reach out to those communities that we haven't had a chance to step into, especially since Katrina. So many people have just gotten back from Hurricane Ida. So it's a challenge, but as always, Lopa, we're, <laughs> we move on those challenges. And I'm just so grateful to be here to continue the work that's needed in our community. Uh, we serve so many different communities and so many different cultures. It's just so important that we work together and our department and this new EDI group. And thank you, Sharon, for taking that on because we need leadership that's going to move us forward. I'm learning. We're all listening. 
it's so amazing and more changes to come. More changes yeah. to come. Lopa is not just progressing in the uh, boardroom. When we talk the talk, we're also going to have to walk the walk. And this year is the first time ever we are given a paid holiday for Juneteenth. And we will be celebrating Juneteenth at home, <laughs> not at work on Monday, June the 20th. Yeah, y'all will probably be out in the community no, somewhere. No, no, I just, I'm no, 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 I just no, no, no. I'm reclaiming my time. I already know about it. <laughs> not this time. And last year, we know that uh, President Biden, for the first time, made it a federal holiday. Um, so he did so after he was in August. It was already after June. We get our holidays in November and December for the upcoming year. So this year, we will celebrate it. And we will uh, just acknowledging the fact that Lopa is walking the walk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so... I'll be honest here. Um, while, yes, we're getting the day as a paid holiday, I think it's really important that our our Lopa team, Lopa family, and our audience know why we're getting why? the day off, yes. you know? Exactly. <laughs> we get the day off as a paid holiday, but why? What is the day? And so I did think that it was important for us just to take a brief moment for those listening who don't know the history of Juneteenth or aren't as familiar with it. I know it's last year it got a lot of media attention um, after it was declared a federal holiday. But what is Juneteenth? On June 19, 1865, um, actually about two months after the Confederate general Robert E. Lee surrendered in Virginia, a Union general by the name of Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas to inform enslaved African-Americans of their freedom and that the Civil War had indeed ended. General Granger's announcement put into effect the Emancipation Proclamation, which had actually been issued more than two and a half years earlier on January 1st, yes, 1863 by President Abraham Lincoln. So while the Emancipation Proclamation legally uh, freed the slaves, enslaved African-Americans in the South didn't get news of that until two years later on June 19th. And so the holiday gets its name from the date And then you may sometimes hear it referred to as Juneteenth Independence Day, Freedom Day, Emancipation Day, but for the African, yep, Jubilee Day, but for the African-American community, Juneteenth is kind of our 4th of July. It is the day that we got our freedom. And so it is largely celebrated and holds lots of significance um, within our community and is celebrated in different ways. So I did kind of want to take a minute and ask you guys, since we get the holiday this year to observe it and celebrate it, are you going to be celebrating in any unique ways? I know across the country and even historically, um, there have been parades and in Galveston, um, there's Emancipation Park. Um, which was a space intended to hold the city's annual Juneteenth celebration. So I did want to ask, like, are you doing anything cool? Do your families do anything cool to celebrate? No, not really. What's the day? What's the day itself? It's Saturday. It's going to be the June 19th. June 19th. It's June 19th. Yeah, the date is June 19th. I know they have um, the weekend. It's kind of like what we use the whole weekend. And... um, and I know it's just should be like a, a day of reflection, but mostly it's just spent with families. I know if you have noticed that a lot of African-American families have their uh, family reunion. Yes. That's the date of the family <laughs> yeah. reunion. And, yes. and it's really and most people just think, oh, well, that's the day we have family reunion. Well, it's the reason for that. And it's to celebrate, to be thankful that we are 
free and have these opportunities that our children possibly didn't have before, our ancestors didn't have. Everything that I do now is so my kids can have a better life than I had. And I was born in 1970, so, I mean, still, (laughs) I want it to be easier than that. Well, I was watching you you talk. You mentioned your kids. That's what I was thinking about. Like, uh, do they know, does does your grandson know um, that you guys are are part of this movement, that you're part of this positive change for for us all? Do you have that conversation? Oh, yes. Yes. You know, one thing about um, the young the young'uns, as they would say, <laughs> they now know about Juneteenth, but now is our time to educate them. You know, oh, we have this day off, so now we're sharing why we're having this day off. What happened? What caused this to happen? So this, you know, should be a part of a history lesson. But you may not see that in school, so it's our job to educate them. It's our job to be in the forefront. You know, in April, we celebrate National Donor Awareness Month. Um, in June, you, it's a family reunion for personally for me, but I get a chance to set up a table for organ tissue and eye donation. See, I knew she would. <laughs> I, I knew she I, would. I, you know, when I got the letter and they said, well, we can't do it because of COVID at the hotel. Let's have a family reunion in New Orleans. I said, that's a great idea. And I'll be glad to set up a table about organ tissue and eye donation. Because, you know, in our family, we have people with high blood pressure, people with diabetes, and I'm not afraid to talk about it. Are you? way this is <laughs> an opportunity for people yes. to want to open yes. up yeah yes this is an opportunity to let everyone know hey cousin you're taking the same pills i do don't you you know it we need to open up like that and it makes it easier not only for us but look at our kids you know i think about my family i tell my son and my daughter have you had your checkup this year because you know i got it you may have it and um it's something, you know, back in the day, I was born in 1957. So my grandmother did not tell me why I would catch her in the corner in the bathroom with a needle up her side. I didn't know. So had I known that, I would have ordered those pound cakes every Sunday, (laughs) the pies every week, you know? So it's one way that we continue to educate the family and community. And if you don't adhere to this policy, there's another policy. It's called the waiting list. So Juneteenth is to be celebrated. I am so happy to be off, but just like any other holiday, we work. There's a mission to accomplish. It's part of who you are. It's just... I thought I would. You don't even need a table. Like you're going to be saying it um, anyway. But you're right. Since um, we were born, so much has changed information wise, how we share information, technology, science, so many advancements. And this is just part of that forward movement. So I I do believe you guys will be back on the Gifted Life podcast. Yes. Of course. You got some more stuff. We have a lot more work to get done. (laughs) Uh, We are still working with the Sloan Group. They are training us, and we have some virtual training they will be rolling out. So local get ready and community get ready because we are still kicking. We are ready. We are lovable. Ladies. The community. It has been a pleasure. Cheryl, Sid, Sharon, thank you. Thank you, Lori, for having us. Thanks for the work. Great hostess of the mostest. (laughs) More to come here on The Gifted Life.
Today on our mental health moment, we are talking about stress, how to deal with stress. Right, Tara? Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) That's a new voice here on the Gifted Life podcast, Tara Alexander. Uh, We love her here at LOPA, but tell our listeners a little bit about your background, what you do. Oh, thank you, Lori. As she mentioned, my name is Tara. I am a licensed professional counselor, and I have a few certifications, but what I like to focus on that helps me here with LOPA and our amazing co-workers is I am certified to do telemental health and anxiety counseling. A lot of us have taken advantage. We like to talk to you. (laughs) Having a conversation and just working through it. So we all love that. And today our focus is on stress and changing the perception, you said? It is. Yeah. So tell us about that. Yes. Well, changing our perception can help us a lot when we become stressed. I got to take notes. Hold on. Let me get my pen. All right. Go, girl. (laughs) First, let's define perception, right? So perception is how we interpret things. But no two people have the exact same perception of the world. So you and I see things completely different. Different seats at the table. That's how I see it. Yeah. And our perceptions are created throughout our lives based on what we experience, Mm -hmm. which is why no two people have the same, because we don't all experience the same. And it's also created by how we process those experiences with our thoughts and feelings. And some examples that come to mind right now when I'm thinking about it is being afraid of heights. That's me. Check. Is it? Okay. <laughs> so tell me, Lori, what, how does your body react whenever you do get to a high floor somewhere? Okay. So like the hair on the back of my neck, uh, shortness of breath. And I feel like, um, you know, when you're on those rides or you're in a high rise building, like I stand back, like I don't go towards the glass because I might fall. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I'm always back and, and guarded. Right. Yeah. Well, you know how I mentioned that it's, we all have different perceptions. Yeah. So if it was the height that actually caused, you know, the hair on the back of your neck to rise for you to get nervous, maybe shake or even sweat, then I would also do that Mm -hmm. whenever I got to a high height. Mm -hmm. But I don't because it's our perception and how we're thinking about it. So you're you're pretty cool for heights? (laughs) Well, is it spiders? What is it with you? No. I mean, <laughs> as long as I'm not stuck upside down, I think I'm okay. You're good? Okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Because then it's a little hard to change my perception yeah. on that. But so knowing everybody has a different perception helps in knowing why people respond differently mm-hmm. in different situations. But we have to remember that no perception's wrong. So just because I see heights different than you does not mean I'm right, does not mean you're wrong. No perception is wrong. It's just different than ours. Right. The more open our mind is to other people's perceptions, the more likely we're going to become calm, less stressed, mm-hmm. less anxious. Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you see me completely calm, about to go on that ride with you, then you might start thinking, what is wrong with me? Why am I getting right, so nervous? Right, yeah. But knowing that we all have different perceptions can help you become less anxious and just know, okay, she just sees this differently than me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why is that perception so important? Well, perceptions shape a person's outlook on our life. And our perceptions are meant to keep us safe and stable. I mean, literally, our brain was created to do whatever it is to make it stay safe. But sometimes those perceptions can actually be causing us stress. Yeah. No, I can see that. I, I'm yes. thinking about, like, uh, if we have a busy... 
uh, work week and I have all kids in different places and I get short, I get loud, right? Because I just wanted to go right. And I was like, there's probably a better way like to show my kids like, be cool, mom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, do our kids ever think we're cool? Yes. So, no, no, you're no, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, so we need to be open to changing our perception. And it starts with our actions, behaviors, our thoughts, mm-hmm. our words. So guess what, Lori? I do have some tips okay, for I'm you ready. and everyone else. Okay, so the first tip I have is modify the meaning you attach to the stress. So I'm going to repeat that a little okay, bit. Okay, yeah. Modify the meaning you are attaching to your stress. When we believe that we won't be able to cope with a situation, our fear then leads to stressful reactions to stress. The way to change this reaction is to think of a past experience that you've had mm-hmm. and you've overcome it, or even someone you know that went through a similar situation and they were able to overcome it. And this is going to help you build that self-efficacy and give you hope that you can do the same, to know that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after every like stressful episode, I'm like, all right, let's rethink this. I could have just, you know, taken a deep breath or calmed down a little, <laughs> yes. a little bit. So I'm always working on it. It's hard. It's hard to change what you've been doing. It really is. And and speaking of work, like whenever we go on vacation and think, that's work. I have to. Ch- <laughs> yes, it really is because you know it's just a relocation yeah. of when you're taking care of your kids, especially. But we think, okay, if I don't check my email, mm-hmm. something's not going to get done. But I'm on vacation. But I need to check my email. So you choose not to check your email, and guess what? The world still functioned. Mm-hmm. Everything was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, thinking back to those moments, like it's it's okay. It's mm-hmm. going to be okay. And another tip is appreciating the larger perspective. Reflect on why a particular situation is stressful for you. Like, why is that situation important to you? Mm-hmm. If something that's not important to us, most likely we're not going to. Get really stressed about it. I mean, thinking of heights, your life is important to you. Right. Right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So so you will become stressed. But think of worrying as a signal that that situation is very meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. Something worth addressing wholeheartedly. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you can start to, that can help you change that perspective. Like, Why is this so important to me? So I want to share a quick example with you guys. Many years ago, I had a client, a counseling client, and when we were talking, she started telling me about how every time she changes her light bulb in her house, she cries. Oh. Well, what I didn't share with you at first was that her husband had passed away. Mm-hmm. So as we continued to talk, turns out her husband changed the light bulbs. Oh. So since her husband changed the light bulbs, every time she changed the light bulbs, she thought of him. What you assigned to Exactly. It. Yeah. So we were looking at the larger perspective on that. I like that. That'll take some talking through with a buddy or a friend it, or something to, right. to get to that. I like it that. It does. But that's what, I, that's what I'm here for. And mm-hmm. I love to talk. And, and I'm glad you actually said that because the last tip that I have is utilize your outer resources and build your inner resources. So recognizing that the ability to cope starts with practicing mm-hmm. self-compassion. Like, what would you say to your friend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they were feeling that way? We are blessed to have a, a great support system, great tips, great topic. Maybe you have a topic you'd like us to cover here at The Gifted Life. Just email us, info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment today, 
if I register through the LA Wallet app, which we love, uh, does that put me as registered on my driver's license? Yes, it does. Technically, the LA Wallet is your driver's license. So you register there and you are registered as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, for those looking for some type of physical change on their license, you won't see it while you may register on the app. You won't see that heart on your license, but you are indeed registered. I just love LA Wallet. And the most important thing when you do that, please discuss it with your family. LA Wallet, the best. We love it. It's the legal digital license for Louisiana. We're leading the effort when it comes to that technology. They accepted us, took us under their wing, and pushed that out through LA Wallet and more to come from that. So we like that. Great question. Maybe you have a question for us here on The Gifted Life. Give us a call, 504-648-3477. On every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Our hero today is Jaden Ramirez. Today we learn about Jaden from his family. Jaden was loved by everyone he ever met. He enjoyed fishing and hunting. He loved to get with friends and ride his four-wheeler. He enjoyed life to the fullest. He was taken from us too soon, but he wanted to give the gifts of life to others. It was his decision to become an organ donor. He was a son, brother, grandson, a great-grandson, and a friend to many. And now we pause and say thank you to Jaden for the gift of life. And that is going to do it for episode 189 of The Gifted Life. Thank you so much for having us today and allowing us to talk about EDI. And we appreciate LOPA so much for allowing us to continue with this process and incorporating EDI in everyday life here at LOPA. Thanks for the hard work and thanks for the visit. It's always fun when we have these guest hosts. You guys did a great job. Uh, Thanks for listening to all of you at home. Remember, you can register as an organ, tissue, and eye donor anytime at registerme.org. And remember, the best place to find us is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. Listen there and find links to listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others find our podcast. On social, like our page on Facebook, The Gifted Life Podcast, and follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Gifted Life Pod. Cheryl, Sid, Sharon, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Have a good time. Awesome time, always. Enjoyed you. Enjoyed the show. Y'all going to be back on The Gifted Life? Only if you have us. Yes. (laughs) Call me. Open invitation. You guys work well together. I love it. Uh, Thanks to all of you for listening. This is The Gifted Life. Our ask is that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Have a good one. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele and Joey Boudreau. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Rana. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs>